0: it is that you even learn to forgive those who cross you and offend you and remember Joseph's brothers had to come down to Egypt when a famine hit the land and they had no idea this is how God blesses you when you got to go through the valley of the shadow of death when they came to Joseph not even recognizing who he was because the Bible says his countenance had been changed that simply meant that he had been blessed so much that he looked nothing like what he had been through and there's some Folk in the room this morning, you look absolutely nothing like what you done been through for the last week. It looks like you have been shining like gold but your life has been up and down. You've been trenched in the twitch you've been strained, you've been pressed, you've been frustrated you've been agonized but look at your face now, there's a shining glow because the God of your salvation makes sure that though you gotta walk through some hard times I'll change the look on your face and they won't know what you've been through. But the joy of the Lord keeps remaining to be your strength. Somebody in the house this morning knows that God will bring you through. up, And will bring you over even when you're not aware what's going on. He makes you victorious because you are more than a conqueror through him who can be conquered. Here's what God does. He makes Joseph the prime minister who knows more of what Pharaoh has even than Pharaoh knows himself. God takes him through all of that that he might get to this point of recognizing what he was doing. The same happens in the life of Elijah. God takes him through a confrontation with Ahab. God takes him through a space in which for three years he has to depend on God's providing hand to take care of him. For three years God uses Elijah to put fear to somewhat in the heart of of Ahab who is looking for Elijah through many different cracks and crevices trying to find out where is this prophet I believe is responsible for the drought in the land. He finally catches up with Elijah Or should it be said Elijah finally confronts Ahab again And they are now at Mount Carmel And victory is inevitable Although Ahab and his 450 prophets Believe that they're going to win this battle God took Elijah through all of those series of events To teach him several lessons Number one, he took him there to show him that life uses its various tools to force us to make choices how many of us know that when you get in some tough times you've got to learn how to make some choices he poses the question to Israel who is flopping between should I serve God Or should I serve Baal? And Elijah says, why is it that you are limping between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. But if Baal is Baal, serve him. But whatever you do, just simply make a choice. There's a Bible, in the Bible there's a story about some lepers who hung out outside of the city camp and they were sitting there trying to contemplate should we go in or should we stay where we are we know that if we go in we could very well lose our lives because there is enemy in that territory but if we stay out here we also know that we're going to die because we will suffer from starvation, and those lepers decided well let 's just go for it let 's just make a choice we going into town, and whatever happens just happens and here 's what happens when you make a choice for God. They go into town, not realizing that God has already came through town and worked all things together for the good. This is what God did. He sent a sound through the town earlier in that day, which the Arameans had thought was a coming army only discovered that they left everything they had all the food, all the ammunition, all the weaponry all the uh, uh, the home, everything that they had to live with they left it all not knowing that they were leaving it because God had preordained that such would take place. When the famine those lepers got in the town from the famine they realized nobody was in the town and they had plenty in town to feed off of and they were so Mesmerized that they had to make a choice. Should we tell somebody else about this blessing that we had? or should we keep it to ourselves and one of the lepers says we can't keep this to ourselves because if it had not been for God blessing us to find this discovery in town we would have died on the outside God wants us to make a choice because God realizes I don't need you to straddle the fence but I want you to make a choice by way of conviction if I'm your God then trust me if someone else is your God then trust them but whatever you do make a choice and God uses life circumstances to teach us that we've got to make choices there's a second thing God permits us to be at odds in situations where we are outnumbered remember Elijah now is standing at Mount Carmel all by himself against four hundred And 50 prophets. But Elijah is standing boldly and strong because Elijah knows it looks like I'm outnumbered in this situation. But as long as I got God on my side, I'm a majority in this fight. I'm going to win because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm going to be an overcomer because God has promised me that I am more than a conqueror. I'm going to come out victorious even though the numbers don't favor me. I got a God who's favored me in every situation. I think there's some witnesses in the house this morning. You've been outnumbered in some situations you recognize that your back was against the wall and there was absolutely no way you were gonna get out this thing and here comes God working all things together for the good pulling folk out of the woodwork you never knew was there for you opening doors that other folk had shut and then he shut some doors that other folk were trying to manipulate you into because when you are working with God you are always in the majority and God allows these outnumbered circumstances to teach us that he's going to bless us in the process of the situation then there's a third thing we learned and the third thing we learned was that God always allows circumstances to test our commitment to his word now Elijah is outnumbered but Elijah doesn't back down Elijah doesn't reduce his commitment in fact Elijah is operating off of a conviction Elijah knows that if God has brought me through three years of famine and made sure that I never went hungry nor that I never went thirsty Why would I not trust God here at Mount Carmel if God can feed me out of these three long years? Somebody in this room today can remember how God took you through some famished moments in your life. You really didn't know how you were going to make ends meet, how you were going to pay the tuition, how you were going to pay the rent, how you were going to pay the car note, how you were going to pay the insurance, how you were going to put food on the table, how you were going to even get to work. but somehow there was $5 laid away in the wallet. Somehow there was a 20 underneath the mattress. Somehow there was a 50 you put away a long time ago and didn't even remember. That's because God makes a way out of no way. And your commitment to what God will do will always make sure that he'll bring you through if you're willing to stand on your conviction. But watch this. The prophet also is now pushing us to recognize how God did all of that to get us to this strange place. And God took Elijah through some strange hoops. Now he's at Mount Carmel. Now he's about to call down God And Elijah tells the prophets of Baal, here's what we're going to do. We're both going to build altars, but whatever we do, we cannot put any fire under the altar. We can't put fire on the altar because here it is. The God who answers by fire is going to be the God of the universe. And Elijah is so convinced that the God that he served is God Almighty, all by God's self, that Elijah tells the prophets of Baal, you go first and do your thing, and you know the story, they did so, and nothing happened. In fact, Elijah goes second, and Elijah not only puts together an altar, but Elijah revises an old altar that had been torn down by the prophets of Baal Elijah is trying to tell us that every now and then you should reach back to your own your old ancestry and get a hold of some of the prayers and some of the songs and some of the victorious evidence in their lives to help you recognize from whom all blessings flow that's the reason why you gotta know history you should know what your people have done what your ancestry have done you should know how God has worked mightily in the history of who we are and Elijah revived an old Old Alter that God had brought to pass previously in Israel's history. That's that's the reason why folk may not believe it, but there's something about grandmama's old Bible. There's something about granddaddy's old way of praying in them old shattered pages in which they have begun to fade because of history. And yet the feeling of that Bible seems to give me a sense of revival in my own heart that I can almost feel grandmama's ancient spirit come to life in my own mind and heart as if grandmama's telling me I got gotcha. you. me and God gonna show you how you gonna be more than a conqueror how you gonna be victorious which is my belief that I do I still believe that ancestors can speak from the dead I know you might not believe that but the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that those who have died yet they still speak from the dead and I don't know about you but I can still hear my grandmama sometime speaking and she's been dead for 37 years now speaking in my ear don't do that grandson, don't do that Boy, go that way, don't go that way, and that reminds me that I got to revive sometimes some of that history that helped me get safe thus far. And if it had not been for some ancestors who had me on their mind in the time of prayer, where would I be? He revives an old altar. He puts 12 stones around it, which reminds him of the 12 tribes of Israel, his ancestry connection. He builds a trench and drops some 11 quarts of seeds, big enough to hold 11 quarts of seeds in the trench. And then Elijah baptizes his altar three times in water. He does water because he knows that water is God's gift, where God helps to Bring to life that which has died or that which is dying. He knows that God will use that water to bring to life. So what does Elijah do? He drenches his altar three times. But look at the text. Verse 35, 36, and 37 tells us, Then Elijah goes to prayer before God because Elijah also tells us, as we learned last week, that some of the battles in life I cannot win on my feet. they can only be won on my knees. I've got to remember that there are some times when I am outnumbered, but the rationality is I can't beat them because I'm outnumbered. So God says, go down to your knees, because if one can put to flight a thousand, you and I can put to flight more than that. And when you go down on your knees, somebody ought to testify, I found God to do some strange but yet wonderful things when you go down on your knees. When you bend those knees and start crying out, Father, I stretch my hands unto thee. And there is something that starts happening. And Elijah says that when he prayed, Lord, Answer my prayer, look at the text, answer my prayer so that these, your children, can see that you are turning their heart back or as Eugene Peterson says, you are giving them a second chance to repentance. How many of you know this morning you are here because God has given you more than a second chance? We in this house not because of a second chance, But a third chance, a ninth chance, an 11th chance, a 100th chance. In fact, so many chances that they can't be numbered. And we are here celebrating because God, in the midst of all that, gave me another chance. And here we are. Elijah says, Lord, I want them to see that you are giving them another chance to repentance, because even when they have drifted far away from you and traded you off for the God of Baal, you still open your heart and your arms to receive them again. What if, what if God told us because you have rejected me for the final time, I'm going to cut off my grace and I'm gonna cut off my mercy, and I'm gonna cut off my breath, and I'm gonna cut off my strength. We know what would happen, but aren't you so glad? I mean, this is shouting news that we are so glad and excited that we serve a God who looks beyond my failures. And I'm so glad that God didn't hold all my failures accountable to me in the sense that that's the reason why he hasn't judged me. What if God judged us for every wrong? But he gives us a second chance. And Elijah says, God, I, I, I want you to give him a second chance, but I, I, I want them to see the kind of God that you are the God of restoration and the God of revival and the God of repentance. The God who will give you a second chance and all you have to say, First John 1, 9, Lord, I'm sorry I did wrong. The God of restoration, he restoreth my soul and the God of resurrection, he will bring you back to the newness of of life then the bible says that elijah prayed and the bible says that god answered elijah's prayer with fire look at the text the text says on verse 38 that fire fell it consumed the burnt offering it consumed the wood it consumed the stone it consumed the dust and it lit up the water that was in the trench. Elijah said, I want God to answer by fire because fire is the representative presence of God in a very powerful way. Read Ezekiel chapter one. And Ezekiel says, I know about fire because when I saw God, I saw God as fire in the, in the midst of a wheel that was turning in the middle of another wheel. I saw fire, said Isaiah, when God came in the temple and his glory was lifted up and an angel brought a coal of fire and placed it on my lips. Fire, says Elijah, is God's way of representing his revelation and his presence. When he talked with Moses at the burning bush, it was a burning fire in the bush that led Moses knew that he was dealing with God. How many of you know that God on the day of Pentecost brought fire in the upper room? And because of that fire, They came out of there excited about who God was because God not only looked beyond their faults, but God baptized them in fire and they were now on fire for the glory of God. I wish I had some folk in the room this morning who could testify I'm on fire for the kingdom of God because God has baptized me in his fire. But watch this. One more thing and then I'm done. When I look at the story, I've got to ask, God, you took Elijah through all of that to get to this in verse 39? Because when the people saw that God had licked up the altar with all of its articles, it says they fell on their faces in awed worship and said, you are God indeed. Maybe somebody in here this afternoon, you struggling with whether or not God is the God of your life because God hasn't answered your prayer the way you wanted it answered. Or God hasn't moved the way you wanted God to move. Listen, delayed doesn't mean denied. Sometimes God delays, because remember Romans 8, 28, he's working all things together for the good. It's not denied, it's simply God putting everything in place so that when the blessing comes, you will receive it with great thanksgiving. The people certainly wondered why was God so patient and why was Elijah interceding? And they realized it was because God loved them so much that he was willing to wait on them no matter how long it took them. Here's my word to you. God is still waiting on you. He's still waiting for you to come on back home. He he recognizes you're angry for one reason or another or you're disappointed for one reason or another or you just can't connect the dots for one reason or another. He will not disown you. He will not discard you. In fact, he's waiting at the altar with his arms open. He's crying with those words, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God, you did all that for this, to get these people to come back to you? Yes, says God, but I also did it because I was compressing. I was compressing out of their life what keeps them consistently disconnecting themselves from me. You know what that is. You know what it is that keeps you from serving the Lord, that keeps you from worship, that keeps you from giving, that keeps you from increasing your faith in God. You know what it is and God will take you through all of those diverse circumstances to compress. Now, compress comes from the analogy of how in the Old Testament, in order to get wine or in order to get oil, wine from the grape, oil from the olive, it could not happen without pressing the grape without pressing the olive. They would put grapes in a large container and then they would get in and compress with their feet, stomp the grapes until they would see the juice begin to flow out into the vat that was attached to the barrel. They were extracted Follow me now, they were extracting that which was valuable inside of the grape. As long as it stayed in the grape, it was just a grape. It would only take care of the grape. But once they extracted it from the grape, it became provision for someone else because it enabled them to feed more than the one person who actually possessed the grape. Same thing with an the olive. They press The olive, as long as they held the olive, it had potential. But until you press it, it will then bring profit. And when they press it, they press the oil out of the olive. Now it's good for not only cooking, but it brings light in the midst of darkness. God is pressing you. He's squeezing out of you that which is on the inside of you. He let you arrive at your Mount Carmel where you are at odds. You are almost the only one in the room who loves God and he's pressing so that he can get all that he has to get out of you. I close with this passage, John 15. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. But every branch in me that bears fruit, he purges it. He presses it. He presses it. He cuts back on it that it might bear more fruit. God did what he did to Israel because they thought they could run this race all by themselves. Jesus makes clear in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. But as long as you're in me, whatever you ask in my name, it shall be granted. Here's God trying to tell somebody today, your problem is that you don't want to make a decision. You got to choose either me or Baal. Your other problem is that you think that because God is using life circumstances to compress you that is too much pain for you is not too much pain. Because have you noticed, no matter what the pain is, he's always provide the solution to give strength in the midst of the pain. And when Israel's done, in verse 40 it says, that Elijah tells those Israelites, don't let those prophets leave the hill, seize them, And then destroy them. God is trying to tell you, whenever you discover, you know what it is that keeps you from being all that you can be in the kingdom of God. Kill it. Get it out of your life. Destroy it. Discard it. And don't let it show up again. If it does, pull out your sword and bring it to death again. In fact I would suggest you should do it anyway because as David did when he defeated Goliath he didn't just let Goliath lay in the field but he took Goliath's sword and chopped Goliath's head off and came back to town and when folks saw David they said Saul has killed a thousand but David has killed tens of thousands He has done more than we ever could have thought and David was one small boy against the giant. Elijah is against a giant at Mount Carmel, but with God, Elijah is in the hands of a giant. Elijah knew that he couldn't beat the prophets on the battlefield so Elijah took him to the place where he knew he could win at the altar listen to me church stop fighting with everybody who's against you just drag their name to the altar and just leave it there Let the Lord handle that battle for you. I told you before, I think it's 2 Chronicles 20, when God tells Jehoshaphat to send the singers out before him, he reminds them, remember when you go out there, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. If you notice, Elijah didn't lift a single finger in this battle. He just stood back and prayed, Lord, answer me. You got this thing under control. I know you can handle it. And God answered by way of fire. I be there. some folk in here today, they've had some moments when you just didn't know how you gonna fight this battle, but you looked unto the hills from which come your help and it came from the Lord and God answered by fire. And that's all I came to tell you and I know you're wondering why God took you through all that stuff he took you through all of that so you can recognize this and isn't there something when God takes us through these moments there is something that we get called appreciation what I took for granted earlier I now value it I mean, what I thought was, was not that important, I come down to realize it's everything. It's God working it out in my life and to remind me. And sometimes God permits stuff to enter our lives because we've decided to discount or demote God's presence. So we put God down in a second category and everything else is in front of him. And God says, okay, I see what I'm going to have to do on this one. I'm going to have to let you hurt a little bit. I'm going to have to let you walk through some troubled waters. I'm going to have to let you experience some difficult moments. And when God gets our attention, then God brings us back to that space. Elijah was doing one other thing then I promise you I'm done. He was restoring what Israel had lost, worship. Under Baal, they called it worship, but it wasn't the same. Something was wrong, something was different. It couldn't be the same because the God that they were worshiping was an idol. It was empty. It had no life. It had no power. Read the story. When they were crying out on the altar, Nothing happened. But when Elijah started calling on the real God of the heavens, something happened. But Israel now recognized, I got to worship. And don't y'all get tired of coming to church every Sunday morning and a failure to worship? I mean, you, you just sit there and look like a bump on the log. But come on, can't you you reflect for a moment, man, if it had not been. For some mercy that woke me up this morning. For some goodness that looked beyond my faults. For some grace that kept me through the course of this day. Oh, I have to look back and say, Lord, I thank you because I recognize it was you who brought me safe thus far. I feel my preacher coming on. Watch this now. I, I had to look and ask the Lord, help me one more time to realize from whom all blessings flow. And I don't know about you, but every now and then I got to sit and take a look at how the Lord has blessed me. How God has enabled my life to be able to be where it is all because of some goodness from eternity. I mean, every now and then I got to get by myself and say to myself, man, you better realize how God has really blessed your soul. And when it doesn't look like I got much, I look at somebody else and realize, man, I got more than enough. And I'm more than a conqueror. Is there anybody in here today who can testify with me? I realize I got more pastor than I ever had in my life. I came with nothing, but look at me now. I once was sick, but look at me now. I didn't have anything, but look at me now. I may not have much, but I got some zeros in the bank account, more than what I had before. I I just came to church to testify. Thank you, God, for one more day, one more blessing, one more provision, one more opportunity, one more chance, to give you the glory and the honor and say, Lord, I thank you. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I I recognize that God, you alone, made ways out of no way. He took me through all of that that he might get me to this. And I know, I know you had to cry. And check this out you got some scars. But look at you now. Those scars remind you of the faithfulness. And now, can't no one question the fight of your faith? Because you got them scars as living testimony. I've been in a fight, but I came through. i got some survivors in here today who can testify. I'm a survivor. And because of that, I will not stop fighting. He takes you through all of that to bring you to this.